Welcome to ACT Radio, Animal Concerns of Texas. I'm Liz Walsh. And I'm Tom Lenny. Here on ACT Radio, we talk about how we humans relate to other animals. We talk about how we use them for food, clothing, and entertainment, and how there are humane alternatives to these practices. And we also discuss why a plant-based diet is healthiest for humans and the best thing one can do for the environment. So if you're concerned about your health, if you're concerned about the way animals are treated, if you're concerned about the environment, stay with us for Animal Concerns of Texas. Coming up on today's show, we feature a conversation with Kim Julie Hansen, author of the books Vegan Reset, The 28-Day Plan to Kickstart Your Healthy Lifestyle, and The Best of Vegan Cookbook. That's a little later in the show, but first some news. Responding to a 2020 lawsuit by the Center of Biological Diversity, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service proposed to protect two species of Texas freshwater mussels under the Endangered Species Act and designate critical habitat for them. The protected habitat includes 200 miles of the Rio Grande for the Salina Mucket mussels from Big Bend National Park downstream to near Amistad Reservoir, and 185 miles for the Mexican Fawnsfoot mussel from near Eagles Pass to the Falcon Reservoir. Both mussel species have been lost from large portions of their former habitats, with the Mexican Fawnsfoot occupying 40% of its historic range and the Salina Mucket occupying just 16% of its historic range. Michael Robinson, a senior conservation advocate at the center, says dams, pollution, and habitat destruction have brought these Texas mussels to the brink of an extinction, and the climate emergency only makes the situation worse. But Endangered Species Act protection gives these mussels a shot at survival and recovery while at the same time improving the health of the Rio Grande. The mussels need clean flowing water and can't live in reservoirs. They reproduce by extruding fish lures and then explosively broadcasting their larvae onto any fish that will come near. The baby mussels live on the fish gills for about a month while they grow until they drop off into the river bottom. After striking out on their own, the mussels filter the water that fish and humans need to survive. The two mussel species will join another Rio Grande freshwater mussel, the Texas hornshell, which was protected as endangered in 2018. The Salina mugget has been waiting for a decision on whether it should be protected for 15 years, and the Mexican Fawnsfoot has been waiting for 16 years since they were first petitioned for protections by the environmental group Wild Guardians. Robinson noted that it shouldn't take the Fish and Wildlife Service this long to protect such clearly imperiled species. Rare animals such as the Salina Mucket and the Mexican Spawnfoot deserve better. This agency is badly in need of new leadership and reform, and it's past time for the Biden administration to make that happen. To learn more, go to biologicaldiversity.org. Last month, 12 people were arrested and charged with cockfighting by authorities in Polk County, Texas. The Polk County Sheriff's Office had responded to a report of an illegal cockfighting operation and discovered 31 roosters, including some that were dead and buried, likely from previous animal fighting. Both the U.S. House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate have issued the Fighting Inhumane Gambling and High-Risk Trafficking Act, also known as the Fight Act, and the authors hope to include the provision as an amendment to the Farm Bill. Both pieces of legislation were driven by concerns over the barbaric nature of animal fighting, other criminal behavior commingled with it, and disease threats to poultry posed by transporting fighting roosters. The Fight Act, amending Section 26 of the Animal Welfare Act, would enhance the enforcement opportunities by banning simulcasting and gambling of animal fighting ventures, halting the shipment of mature roosters, chickens only, shipped through the U.S. mail, creating a citizen suit provision to allow private right of action against those engaged in illegal animal fighting, and enhancing forfeiture provisions to include real property for animal fighting crimes. Let's hope the Fight Act becomes law. 
Stick around. Up next, we'll talk with Kim Julie Hansen, founder and creative director of the vegan food and lifestyle brands, Best of Vegan and Vegan Reset, as well as the author of the books, Vegan Reset, the 28-day plan to kickstart your healthy lifestyle and Best of Vegan Cookbook. That's next on Animal Concerns of Texas. Joining us now on Animal Concerns of Texas is Kim Julie Hansen. Thanks for being with us, Kim. Thank you so much for having me. Kim, can you start out by telling our listeners how you got involved in veganism? Yes. Um, so it actually all started 12 years ago. And I was the furthest thing from a vegan you could possibly imagine. Like I, I hadn't had pets in years. I did not particularly like animals. Um, I did not know any vegans. Um, so this was definitely not something I was into at all. I loved meat, dairy, eggs, all of that. And then it started um, 12 years ago. I was doing a program in a city in Belgium in Ghent, and there were about a hundred of us from all different cities around the world. So people I had never met before. And one of the first nights, a group of us decided to go to an Italian restaurant and I was supposed to make the reservations. And so I made, I wanted to make the reservations, but the place was closed. So I decided to book a steakhouse instead. We arrive at the meeting spot and I tell everyone, sorry guys, but we're going to go to a steakhouse. And one of the participants looks at me uh, like, oh, and I said, why, what's wrong? He's like, oh, I'm a vegetarian. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And then the whole night he was sitting across the table from me with about a dozen people just devouring steaks and ribs and him with like a little side salad that they had made him. And I just started asking him tons of questions, like, where do you get your protein? Um, how come you're, don't you, don't you have deficiencies? Um, what made you go vegetarian? Like all of these things. And um, he just answered and I was very intrigued. Um, and then a bit later, I came across the book Eating Animals by Jonathan Safran Foer. I oh, read yeah. the first page and I decided I was not ready <laughs> to read the rest. <laughs> So I just set it aside. Um, a few months later, I had I was in college. I was in my senior year, and I had a debate class. And he told us to pick a topic we were not passionate about, so that we could kind of argue for or against. And I thought, you know what? Let me argue that vegetarianism is not necessary because I was intrigued, but like not enough to convince me. So then I decided to continue reading the book, and as I'm about halfway through. I remember I was at my grandma's house and she was making chicken and I just looked at her and I said, I have a feeling that once I finish reading this book, I will not be able to eat meat anymore. And that ended up being the last piece of chicken I ever ate in my life, the last piece of meat. So the next day I'm like, I'm vegetarian. Vegan is too much. I can't. Um, so I declare myself I'm a vegetarian, much to everyone's surprise. <laughs> and then a few days later, I came across a passage from the book Slaughterhouse by Gail Eisnitz and something happened in me where I just remember I was late at night sitting in my apartment reading that passage and it was a passage about it was I think a slaughterhouse worker describing something he had done to one of the pigs and in that moment something I had kind of almost like an outer body experience where I imagined being the pig and that was the first time in my entire life 
I had actually wondered what would it be like to be one of those animals. And in that moment, I was like, I, I just can't. I need to change everything about how I eat. So a few days after going vegetarian, I went vegan overnight. And, and I haven't looked back since. And that was 12 years ago. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And I, and I got to say, I, I applaud your courage for willing to dive in on a topic. And I think that's something that we should all do, right? For, for anyone who's listening is, is there's no harm in further examining if we really feel like it's critical that we eat meat or it's better for the yeah. environment to eat meat it's, or, or whatever, whatever your thought process is, at least give yourself the opportunity to explore the topic so that you fully understand both sides. Because, you know, I, I was the same way. I grew up meat and potatoes. And so if I hadn't given myself the chance or had others who, um, you know, asked me questions or allowed me to ask them questions, I wouldn't have been able to, to fully understand the issue and, and come to what, what would be the right choice for, you know, in my own eyes. Yeah, definitely. And, and how was the, how was the support? So were you in Belgium or in Brussels still then? Um, yes. So actually that class, that debate class, I changed the topic from vegetarianism should, um, is not necessary to eating meat should be illegal. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I kind of, I was at the time, so I was in at university, I went to university in Brussels and then moved to New York later. But at the time, there were no fully vegan restaurants in the whole city. There were a few semi-vegetarian restaurants, like really, really old school ones, but there were no vegan restaurants. I knew no other vegans. Also, I had no idea that being vegan could be healthy. <laughs> I did not know. So I just assumed I was going to either die sooner of deficiencies, but I was okay with that. I was like, okay, that's the price I have to pay. And I also didn't realize that vegan food could taste good. So that became a whole new discovery. And I have ADHD and with ADHD, you hyper, you can easily hyper focus on things. So I kind of hyper focused on anything vegan related. So for a few months, I just started reading every book, watching every documentary, reading every blog I could get my hands on and suddenly realized, oh, not only can you be healthy, but it can actually be better for you or just as good. And that was so fascinating. And yeah, and then I, I think at first I, I was a little bit, you know, the stereotype of the militant vegan. That was definitely me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I the first Christmas of being vegan, I bought um, I think about 20 copies of eating animals for my family and then gave them all of them for and so I think after a while I realized like. I think for some people it works the militant way and I'm not here to bash it, but I think for me personally, it just got a little bit emotionally too draining. And then I realized like leading by example and just encouraging people to do the best they can, that seems to be working for me. Yeah. yeah. And, and I guess, and I've said, and I guess, you know, you pivoted um, after gathering all that knowledge and, and you formed this best of vegan. It's a digital culinary publication. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, you were looking at all the resources and what, what made you think, you know, Hey, what, you know, what perspective could I bring to it? Or you know, sort of what, how were you inspired to focus on, you know, you providing those resources as well, in addition to, you know, what you've seen out there? Yeah. So about two years after going vegan, I started, I joined Instagram just kind of with a personal account and I had a, one of my best friends just jokingly, half jokingly, I still don't know for sure. She said to me, if you become one of those people who post pictures of what they eat on Instagram, I am never speaking to you ever again. Uh -oh. And yeah. 
And then a bit later, I woke up one morning craving eggs and only problem, I was vegan. So I decided to, you know, make a tofu scramble and mix it with turmeric as you do just to kind of make it look like eggs. And I took a picture of it. And instead of posting it, I showed it to another friend. And she said, why don't you post it on Instagram? And I said, well, I can't. I want to keep my friend. And that's when I had the idea, why don't I just do it anonymously? And um, and then I just figured, you know, I'm in Brussels and I am vegan. So why don't I just call it Brussels vegan? And so I did. And after a while, I kept having people from the U.S. following and I just didn't get it until one day someone commented saying, I love Brussels sprouts, too. And that's when I realized people just assumed it was Brussels sprouts. Um, so oh, that's funny. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then being on, um, you know, being on Instagram, I kind of fell at first into this whole like, you know, raw vegan trend and like eating you know, smoothies and juices and all that, which is obviously a part of veganism, but not, you know, the whole idea. And then a few months into it, somebody said, oh, so vegans, so all vegans do is eat fruit. And I just, because for me, it's always been so ethical, I just really didn't want people to think that. So I thought, why don't I just create a separate page called Best of Vegan, where I just kind of showcase everything vegan food and veganism can be, and not just what I personally happen to be eating right now. And so, and that's how kind of Best of Vegan was started. And I didn't have any aspirations with it but the first night it got a thousand followers and that's when I was like oh maybe this could go somewhere <laughs> and then kind of you know and then it kind of took over and eventually because I did move to New York I changed the names from the Brussels vegan account to vegan reset um so that's kind of my other blog and platforms so I have best of vegan and vegan reset the so best of vegan is kind of just showcasing just everything veganism has to offer and a vegan reset is just more whatever I happen to be eating and also like meal plants and more a plant-based perspective, but also embracing, you know, carbs and sugar and all these things, you know, but just with a slightly more health oriented approach. Yeah. And, and not that I, not that I don't love uh, nicely charred Brussels sprouts. I think the, the <laughs> name, the name change is, it was a wise one. Um, did, yeah. the, did, the, did the best of vegan cookbook come first after this? Uh, no, actually, the Vegan Reset cookbook came first. So the Vegan Reset cookbook came at the end of 2018. And that kind of made the most sense at first. Um, so that one is more, you know, plant based. And, you know, it's a 28 day meal plan, and just kind of like an introduction to healthy eating specifically, because before going vegan, I not only did I only love animal products, I did not like fruits and vegetables at all. <laughs> So it took me a while to kind of get used to eating those. And so that was kind of documenting my journey. And this is how anyone, if, if I can learn how to eat healthy, anyone can, but always kind of like, you know, also mentioning, you know, the main motivation remains ethical. Um, I think that's for me, at least personally, that's always been super important. And then I think from that kind of the same issue where I kept finding myself in situations where I was talking to people who had never heard of veganism or had heard of it, but had no idea what it was. And I was like, oh, if I had to recommend one book, I don't know if it would be my book <laughs> because it, <laughs> it doesn't, you know, it doesn't include, it's not like I wanted something, I want it with the best of vegan cookbook, which is the one that came out um, in at the end of December of last year. 
um, I kind of wanted to create something where I felt like, okay, this is a bird's eye view of vegan food. Right, right. That makes sense. And and I and it looks like based on, you know, I think studies that we've seen and other books that have come out and not beyond veganism, you know, there are some things about patterns, right? And so whether it's 21 days to get into a healthier habit or it's 28 days, um, what, you know, what comes with that, uh, with, with the resources that you provide for 28 days? Because I think that's also palatable for people, right? They can say, hey, I'm going to try, let me just try it for a few weeks for one mm-hmm. month and then, and, and, and go with that. Um, what is the, what is the sort of the plan? How, how does, how do you carry that out and how do you make it easy for people to, to just tackle those first couple of weeks? So, yeah, so that was specifically the vegan reset book and also all the meal plans I have. And I had, I've always done kind of, um, both a one week challenge and a 28 day program. The one week challenge is for anyone who is like, I could never go vegan, but you know what? I could do a week you know? And so those are usually free challenges that I host. Um, and it all started with a, a bet, I think. Um, or I think I can't remember if it was a bet or it was, it was something where that when I first went vegan, I was, I had several different jobs. One of them was working with college students who were studying abroad, like American college students studying in Belgium. And I think one night we had like a mixer and I was in charge of the drink tickets. And one of the kids came up to me and said, and they all knew I was vegan. And so he said, can I get an extra drink ticket? And I said, no, you already got yours. And then he said, what if I go vegan for a day? And then (laughs) I said, (laughs) and then I said, I said, make it a week. And he said, okay. And then the other kids, all they heard was that part and they had already had a few beers. So they're all, they were like, we're in too. And so, (laughs) and so I said, you know, okay, let's do it. And I, and I had already started that. This was like in the very beginning of starting the first Instagram account. And so I posted about it and I said, you know, a bunch of these kids are going to go vegan for a week. I'm going to send them an email with some resources. If any of you want to do it too, send me an email and I'll forward you the email. And I woke up to 1,200 emails. Oh my and, God. <laughs> yeah. And so that's when I realized like, oh, a lot of people are interested, but they don't know where to start. So that's kind of who the one week is for. And then the 28 days, I feel like it's a good way to kind of really get to kind of form habits that you can then continue with afterwards. And I always say, don't get too discouraged by the label vegan. Cause if you tell someone, you know, can you please change everything about the way you eat forever and never, ever look back? I think a lot of people are going to be very intimidated by that. But if you tell them, Hey, can you try it for a few weeks? Maybe see if you like some parts of it. And then maybe if you do, maybe you can continue some of it. Maybe you can try again. Who knows? So, yeah. So that's the whole goal is not for people to do it for four weeks and then forget about it, but more to kind of, you know, get a few tools that they can then use beyond the 28 days. Right. And and, and your book includes like shopping lists and, and other things that make it yeah. a little bit easier too, right? I think that's, yes. I think that's critical too, because sometimes you feel overwhelmed. And if it's just, you're looking to something that, can say, hey, these are the these are the mainstay need. I think that really reduces some of the barriers and allows you to fill up your pantry quick. So also when you're in a pinch or you're short on time and you're, you know, you feel like you don't have to run to the store and get it, you have all the things you need ready to go. Yeah, exactly. So the vegan reset book comes with a 28-day meal plan and shopping list in the book and meal prep options and all that, plus extra recipes and a practical guide. 
And then also a bonus digital 20, like an extra 28 day plan. Um, and then the Vesta Vegan Cookbook that comes with five different chapters and then a um, few bonus digital, like a seven day meal plan. And then a few other, like a, a guide on how to get enough protein, a guide on how to eat on a budget, like all of these things. And then the book itself has five chapters. The first one is called, um, I don't want salad <laughs> it's kind of, <laughs> because it's the, the stereotype of this is, it was based on a friend of mine who had gone, who had, I had met after going vegan, who was vegan as well. And I remember her leaving me a voice message saying, so I think Thanksgiving, some holiday, she went to her parents' house and she had, she had been running around all day and hadn't had a time to eat. So she gets there. It's just so looking forward to eating and then her one dish after the other was covered in cheese and meat and then she looks at her father and says do you know I, we're vegan and then he said oh don't worry I made salad for you and then in her voice <laughs> message to me she said salad I don't want salad <laughs> and and that's just so like even in the beginning when I went vegan like I said I didn't like healthy food at all <laughs> so so whenever I would go to restaurants that weren't vegan and I would ask for vegan options that it was always salad and it was inspired actually also by my brother who is not vegan and who kind of he was the one who told me he said you know if he said no offense but the first book like if you weren't my sister I wouldn't have bought it like for me, it needs to, it needs to just be comfort food. And so that was kind of the idea behind that chapter. So it's all recipes that are fully vegan, but no salad whatsoever. And then the second chapter is cultural dishes. Then that was kind of to show that, you know, like a lot of people, obviously food is so much more than just fuel. It's memories, it's identity, it's culture. And it's to kind of show that you can easily veganize cultural dishes and then for that chapter, what was something that was super important to me is every single recipe from a different culture was created in collaboration with someone who's actually from that culture. And then the next one is called wholesome. So that's kind of like, you know, healthy-ish recipes, so salads, but also healthy pasta, soups. And when I say healthy-ish, it's kind of, you know, like salad with a little bit of bread or soup with some white wine, things like that. And then there's a chapter, Best of Vegan Baking. So that's all desserts. And then the last one is basics. So it's kind of, you know, shiitake bacon, uh, vegan sour cream, like how to make all of those basics. It's a great, great resource. And I, and I, I, I like too that you did point out, you know, the, the ways to change some of the foods that are most common in our life. And a lot of times we, we forget too, that those are usually based in plant-based products, you know, and it's just a tweaking mm -hmm. of, of, of one or two things that, that allows, you know, we can still enjoy the flavor and have the memories and the, and the feeling that we get from those comfort foods, um, just without the, the environmental impact and the health impact and the, and the animal suffering that, that goes along with it. Exactly. And often like the flavor comes from the seasonings, you know, and not necessarily right. from the meat. So, yeah. So I feel like a lot of people just don't know where to start or they don't even know that you can find these options. I certainly didn't. And that you don't have to eat veggie or vegan burgers because that's another thing that people are, I was just having a conversation with some people over at work and they were saying, oh, well, do you eat veggie burgers and meat analogs and cheese analogs all the time? And I'm like, no, I try not to, you know, because yeah. I mean, I will eat them if that's the only thing at a restaurant that I'm at or something. But, you know, I think 
once you make the transition to being vegan, you start wanting the full health impacts of not relying on a lot of these processed foods. Yeah, exactly. I feel like it's, you know, it's interesting because with those processed foods, there's so many people who hate on them and it's usually, it's, it's sometimes even vegans, but it's often like non-vegans and they're like, why do you have to call it this? And you know, it's, it's to me, it's like, if you don't like them, fine. Like there's so many other options and personally, same thing. Like at home, I eat mostly just plant-based and, you know, I don't, I rarely rely on them, but when I eat out, like I'm absolutely not opposed to them. And I, I think they're, they're getting so much more realistic, but yeah, yeah, but I love seeing, you know, the new developments and all these different options that we're now seeing when, you know, like even just 12 years ago, I mean, the only ve- vegan cheese I could find was made from rice milk. And that was just like it sounds, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's challenging. And, and you know what I, I like, too, about s- some of your work is that it also goes beyond what some other books do and and looks holistically at living healthy and like, and that mm-hmm. reset, that reset resonates with me because it's like for me and many others that suffer with like sleep issues and meditation or, you know, the exercise. I mean, the, the food changes alone are transformative, but mm-hmm. you know, when you really, when you line all those things up is really when, when I think uh, you see the greatest results and, and you just feel better in terms of, and also like living longer. Um, I, I think it's great that you offer that type of support as well. Yeah, that was super important. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I always feel like it needs to be a holistic approach. And that's in the Vegan Reset book. That's exactly what the book is about. It includes, you know, steps on meditation and, you know, movement and water and sleep and all of these things as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I hate to ask, but, you know, for those that create cookbooks and guidance on on food, I I got to say the the pictures are also great in, in your book, but the blueberry pancakes looked outstanding. And the, um, I, I used to love like the uh, ricotta the, and like manicotti as, as a kid. And that was a, a big mm. thing. And you have a, it looks like a spinach um, ricotta manicotti type recipe on that. Is there anything that, that you, you know, is a go-to for you? You know, I see the, there's like vegan fish tacos and avocado pasta pasta. Is there anything that you tend to, to lean on a lot for your, for when you're cooking your meals? Yes. I mean, there's, you mean specifically from the cookbook, the recipes or so from this, from the best of vegan cookbook, you know, it's interesting. The one recipe that I've made the most, which I didn't think I would is the Montreal style poutine. And it's, it sounds, it's basically just fries with gravy and vegan cheese, but it's just so good. (laughs) Um, And then, but when it's more like on a day-to-day basis, I love the roasted garlic bell pepper soup with um, butter beans. That one's really good. Honestly, I mean, obviously I'm very biased, but I, you know, I included those recipes because those are all my favorite, (laughs) but yeah. And then the double chocolate muffins. I feel like that's a great dessert. Yeah, it sounds it sounds incredible. Um, well, we've been talking with Kim Julie Hansen. She's the founder and creative director of the vegan food and lifestyle brands Best of Vegan and Vegan Reset. And she's also the author of the books Vegan Reset, the 28-day plan to kickstart your healthy lifestyle, and the Best of Vegan Cookbook. Uh, we've really enjoyed having you on the show, Kim, and congratulations on all the, the books so far and all the success you've had. Thank you so much. So great talking to you guys.
You can find Kim Julie Hansen's book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and many other book vendors. These are listed on our website at kimjuliehansen.com. That's all one word with Hansen with an E. And if you'd like more information about a vegan diet, you can go to the Veg Society of El Paso's website at bsep.org. And if you'd like to listen to some of the past shows of Act Radio, you can find them at ktep.org. Just click under the Programs button. And speaking of Act Radio, we'd like to thank KTEP for their help in producing the show, including audio editing by John Martinez and website archiving by Ariely Avidia at the Communications Department at the University of Texas at El Paso. Until next time, I'm Tom Linney. And I'm Liz Walsh for the animals, the earth, and a healthier humanity. Thanks for listening to Animal Concerns of Texas.